we doing, church? We good? So good to see everybody here today. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching live right now online. And, of course, everybody who's over at that South Side, South Campus, South Campus. We love you. And we love everybody who's here. And the best way that we can show you that we love you is by clapping for you. So come on, somebody. Will you give it up for somebody who's sitting next to you today? So glad that you're here. Um, hey, wasn't that baptism video just fire? I was just like... So encouraging. If you were here at the event, man, you know this. It was absolutely overwhelming. It was just so encouraging to see so many people taking steps. I tell myself this every time. I'm like, oh, man, we've seen so many of these. I'm, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm going to lose it. You know, I don't think I'm going to get emotional. And then about like halfway through, three-quarters way through, I'm just like a little bit overwhelmed. It's just like absolutely amazing to see so many people experiencing life change. And so if you are one of those people who took a step with God, we are so excited for you. And truly, the best is yet to come for you because, man, when you move in God's direction, he does amazing things in your life. And um, you're just getting started. You're just, in fact, aren't we all just getting started, right? Come on, why don't you tell someone next to you, say, you're just getting started. You're just getting started. Both locations, just getting started. Um, I want to share a quick testimony from baptisms. Really, really cool story. Um, I had never met this guy. He goes to our South Campus. We came in and met him, and uh, he told me a little bit of his story. But Reno told me his story. First of all, he has an awesome name, Reno, okay? He started off great there. But then he had a great, he has a story. He says this, I was raised a Catholic. I was an altar boy for six years and wanted to be a priest. I could pray and talk with the Lord. Family crisis took me from the church 50 years ago. That's a long time. That's a long time to be disconnected from church. But he said this, three years ago, God sent a messenger to me to return to the church with support from two friends. I returned to the Lord two and a half years ago. I can hear the Lord and I have a relationship with him again. It happened my first Sunday at Summit Park Church. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? Man, I just love it. I just love it. I love it. I love it. And it's so cool. It's so inspiring and encouraging and fun, honestly, just truly to be a part of a church that is making a difference in people's lives. And so thank you for praying. Thank you for being a part of this. God is on the move. If you believe it, say, I do. All right. All right. Well, hey, we are uh, in a series that we have called Follow. And we are looking at uh, the importance of follow and, and what is in a follow. And the reason we're doing this series is because everybody follows somebody. The question is, who are you following? And it's a very important question to answer because so much of who we are and what we do and how we think and uh, ultimately what we become in life happens in the follow and I believe that that's why Jesus, when he calls his disciples, you see this in the New Testament, when he calls his disciples, he doesn't, he doesn't ask them to change the world, although they would. He doesn't ask them to preach, although they would. He doesn't ask them to heal, although they would. He asks them to follow. And he says, follow me. Jesus breaks down this great thing of God and having a relationship with the one who created the world. And, and part of the reason Jesus came is to show us God and then to say, hey, 
follow me. And so his disciples, as they follow him, they experience literally the greatest experience that anyone could ever experience. That's having a life-giving relationship with the creator of the world. He just says, follow me. If you're taking notes, you can just write that down. Two words, very simple, follow me. That's what God is asking you to do. That's what Christ is asking you to do. Follow me. And in that invitation, he unlocks a world of potential for the disciples and for us, all right? And so uh, we're breaking this down in this series. If you're just joining us, I want to encourage you to go online. You can, you can track with the messages. We started with John the Baptist and how his follow looked like humility. It starts with humility. And then last week we talked about how the calling of Levi, the calling of Matthew, uh, looks like faith. And so faith is the fuel for our follow. And this week we're going to talk about one thing, but it's three phrases, okay? I couldn't pick one phrase, so I had to give three phrases. It's full on, 100% all in, okay? So if you're taking notes, please write that down. And then if you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down, okay? It's full on, 100% all in, that's the type of relationship with God that God wants. That's the type of follow that God wants from us. And we're going we're gonna to unpack that today just a little bit, that idea. If, if we talked about last week how like our relationship with God is like a rocket and how humility is the launching pad and faith is the fuel. And now we're going to be talking about how 100% all in, full on, being, being fully devoted is the commitment that sees the mission through. And, and the reality, it just comes down to this idea that we talked a lot about when I was growing up in church, this idea of surrender. Surrender. We used to talk a lot about surrender and living surrendered and living fully devoted and saying, God, whatever you want, that's what I want. Um, but it seems like that, that, that idea has fallen on hard times. It's like, man, we... We don't want to be fully surrendered. We want to kind of be half surrendered. And I want to kind of push on that a little bit, all right? I want to push on that idea because what, what I believe is God's will for all of us is to live full on, 110%. Let me just upped it, 10%, all right? Uh, 110% all in. God wants us to be a fully devoted follower. So let me prove this to you. We like life full on. Nobody likes life half, half-hearted, right? Like sports. Any sports fans? Anybody? Anybody? Sports fans? Anybody? Anybody watch a sport? Anybody? Anybody know what a sport is? Okay, so there's sports. And how many of you know, like, you can watch sports and, like, when they're, it doesn't even matter, even if it's, like, third and fourth grade soccer, which I'm watching a lot of right now, okay? I'm watching a lot of this. Two games yesterday, second grade, fourth grade. How many know, like, you can watch, you can watch what would not be, say, like, high-caliber athletes yet. But, man, when they're in it, it's an enjoyable experience. It's fun when you got a game and they're, like, they're working hard and they're passing and they're kicking. And, I mean, when they're just, like, really giving it their best, it's, it's, it's a blast. How many of you know a completely different experience when you're watching professional athletes, like basketball players, for professional athletes, basketball players like at the all-star game how many know like it's a totally different experience because they're half-hearted 
They're like, like throwing alley-oops, like half court, like behind their back. They're not even trying. And you're talking about high caliber athletes, but they're not giving it their all. We don't really respect it. In fact, the Pro Bowl, how many know when the Pro Bowl happens? Nobody knows because nobody cares. Nobody watches it because they don't tackle each other. They're not really trying. It's not full on because we were made to be full on, 110% all in. Can I get an amen? Nobody says like, oh, man, that race it was so awesome. Did you see those two? They were racing. It was so amazing. They were going about 50%. Nobody says that. Nobody says that because we're not made to live half-hearted. We're made to live full on or how many of you ever watched that show, Shark Tank? It's on TV. It's like with investors. Anybody ever watch that show? Okay, well, if you never watch it, you got this like line of investors, and there's people who are trying to pitch their ideas, their, their new companies that they're starting to these investors. People like Mark Cuban and Mr. Wonderful. And, and uh, so they're trying to pitch these ideas. And now what's interesting about Shark Tank is if you've watched a few episodes, you know, you can kind of know who's going to make it and who's not going to make it by the pitch. Like, do they have their stuff together? Do they have all of their details, their, you know, their I's dotted, their T's crossed? Are they all into this thing, or are they giving it half-hearted? And sometimes the sharks will ask them a question. They'll be like, hey, I noticed you already have this job. Are you going to keep this job and then also start this company? And if the person answers yes, then you know it's going to be a no. <laughs> like, you know those sharks are going to be like, eh, sorry. Or like sometimes people will be like, oh, I know you're, you're like, you know, how much time are you going to give into this? The person's like, you know, I'm... I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to give this like 20% of my time. The rest of the time I'm going to be like surfing, you know, like just catching some waves. That person's getting a no. You could just know it because we like full on 110% all in, right? We respect it. Or like in relationships. How many know like you're not, you've never said this. This has never happened. Like, hey, man, things are going really well. Been on, you know, several dates now. I think we're ready to take things up to the next level, I'm ready, I'm ready to go about 25%. How many of you know that just doesn't work? It just doesn't work. Nobody does that. Like, uh, I remember when I proposed to my wife, Jen, um, we, had, uh, we had just broken up, actually, for the second time in six months. So God bless the broken road. Come on, somebody. You know, like, um, and I had gone away on a ski trip with some friends and, uh, you know, if she's not in here, so if you talk to her, she may have a different version of this story. But <laughs> the way I remember it is that she just was blowing up my phone, okay? So, like, we had, <laughs> uh, we had broken up, and she was just like, hey, hey. I'm like, I'm trying to ski here. And she's like, hey, hey, you know. So, anyways, again, she has a different version. But that's how I remember it. And I remember, I remember saying, oh, man, you know, I just, I, I, did, I was missing her. I couldn't, like, we were, we were gone a week, and I couldn't wait to get back from the ski trip. And I remember uh, we got back, we got together, and I never told her that I loved her because I knew once I said that I loved her, uh, this, I was going, I was going to, we were going to get married. So, like, this was going to be legit. This is going to, we're going to do this thing. And so I remember I was like, hey, I miss you. She's like, I miss you. I was like, man, I really appreciate you. She's like, I really appreciate you. And I was like, I love you. And when I said that, I was like, I'm going all in. How many know you can't say that and be like, I love you 50%? I'm going to love you with half of my life. You know, 
to, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, to love and to cherish as long as we both feel like it. How many know you're not going to say that? That's not the way it works. It's got to be all in because when you're all in, that's where the life is. Amen? Like that's where the life is. God is an all-in type of God. He's all in. Let me show you this Romans chapter 5 in the message. It says, but God put his love on the line. I love that phrase. He put it, he put it all on the line. It's kind of the idea of like God put all of his chips into the middle of the proverbial table. He put it all on the line by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. I love this because God put everything in the middle first. He laid it on the line because he's an all-in, full-on, 110% type of God. Now, let me just say this. That type of effort deserves a 110% response. And this is true in relationship, right? Like, it's dysfunctional if one person's giving 100% and the other person's giving 25%. That's not a relationship. But it's beautiful. It's explosive. It's life-giving when you have 100%, 110%, full-on, all-in. And that's what Jesus will ultimately ask all of his disciples to do. Now, early on, you see a lot of the language he uses. He says, just follow me. Or he'll say things like, come and see. So he's not asking for everything up front. But ultimately, he will ask for everything. That come and see will become go and die. It will. Because that's the only way that you ever truly live. Matthew chapter 16 says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. This is Jesus talking, by the way. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. The only way that you actually find real life is by losing your life 100%. you got to lay, and some of you are like, man, that doesn't sound very fun. That sounds like really sacrificial. That sounds like really difficult. That sounds like really dying. And that's the only way that you live. That's actually where the fun begins because that's where the life is when you're full on, 110% all in. You know what it ultimately comes down to? Here's what it ultimately comes down to. It comes down to you looking at Jesus Christ as more than your Savior, but also your Lord. Your Lord. And that's the question today. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Is he Lord of your life? Because we love him to be Savior. Oh, God, help me. Come through for me, Lord. I'm dying over here. Lord, I need this miracle. I'm struggling. I need you to come through in a significant way. I need you to be my Savior. But you know what he also needs to be? He needs to be our Lord. He needs to be Savior and Lord. Lord and Savior. Now, Lord is not an idea that we talk about a lot today, right? Like, Lord is not something we, we use today. Like, back in the Middle Ages, in the Shakespearean times, they would, they would call each other Lord, you know? And they would refer to each other as, my Lord, or my liege. Have you ever wondered whatever happened to my liege? Like, why don't we bring that back? Wouldn't that be fun if we brought my liege back? Like, in hospitality, we start opening doors for people, welcome to church, my liege. 
I mean, doesn't that just feel better? Anyways, in Jesus' day, they, there was Lord, but then there was capital Lord, capital O-L-O-R-D, and this is the word Kyrios, which is supernatural master over all, ruler, one who exercises authority. You can summarize that by saying, the boss. The one who has the final say. The one who calls balls and strikes. The one who determines what's fair and not, what's in and what's out, what's wrong and what's right. Lord and Savior. At some point in our follow, in your journey, God moves from this place of Savior, just saving me, to being Lord. And that's where he has to move. He has to, we, we all have to move from being a fan to being a true follower. From being a spectator to being a participator. From being interested in Jesus to being a true disciple of Jesus. If he is Lord at all, He's got to be Lord of all. By definition, he's the boss. It's full on, 110% all in. We introduced this idea of follow me last week, right? We talked about follow me. It's so simple. And uh, one, of our, one of our security team who was uh, a ranger, an army ranger. Come on, somebody. You know that's a bad dude. <laughs> a ranger. And... Uh, he was a ranger, and he came up to me, and he said, you know, in the ranger school, and actually in the infantry school in the Army as well, they, that uh, when your commanding officer, when you go up, you salute a commanding officer, the commanding officer will salute back, and he will say, follow me. And the subordinate will say, lead the way. He said that afterwards, and I thought, that's Christianity. That's what Christianity is. It's like when we find Jesus, we find who the, okay, you're the, okay, yeah, you're a king, you're God, you're the creator of this whole thing. We salute and say, you know, I am ready to do whatever you want. He says, follow me, and we say, lead the way. That's what has to happen in our heart. And I want to ask you today, I want to ask you, is that your Christianity? It just, for a moment, where you live, where you work, what, what you're involved with every single day of your life, when Jesus says, follow me, are you saying lead the way? 110%, full on, all in. Are you like, Jesus, lead the way? Kinda. Are you like, Jesus, lead the way? You can have my Sundays. But my Friday nights, that's for me in the club. That's for me in the club. I'm sorry you had to see that, okay? But I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make the point. Or Jesus, you can, you can have my Bible study. You can have my Bible study. Oh, I'll study the Bible, but my, my private thought life, that's mine. Or God, you can have some of my finances, but, but God, you can't have it all. You can't have all of my relationships. Or you can't have the way I do my relationships. Let me ask you, when Jesus says, follow me, do you say, lead the way, because honestly, in order for this faith thing to work, that's how it's got to be. It's got to be. You will be fulfilled only when your follow looks like lead the way. If it's anything else than that, you'll be frustrated. If you pull back, if you limit what God is doing and what God wants to say and what God is speaking to you, you will be frustrated. 
are you holding back or are you saying Jesus lead the way? Now, here's what I want to do with our time. I want to take a quick look at two, two disciples. Two disciples who basically uh, kind of show us this, to show us this idea. Show us this idea of uh, holding back and, and, and giving all. And, and so we're going to look at the rich young ruler who really didn't become a disciple. He actually walked away from being a disciple. And then we're going to look at the widow who had two coins. And one holds back, the other gives everything that she has. All right, we're going to look at these two. It's going to be amazing. We're going to walk away better. If you're ready to jump in, say, I am. All right, Matthew chapter 19. We're going to look at two passages, Matthew 19 in the NIV and Mark chapter 12 in the NIV. All right, Matthew chapter 19 says this. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now we find out that his name is, we don't actually don't know his name, actually. But he is a rich young ruler. So he's wealthy, he's young, and he's got responsibility. And so he says, why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, well, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not give false testimony, and honor your father and mother, and then love your neighbor as yourself. He just lists off a bunch of them. And then this guy says, all these I have kept, the young man said. And how many know he's lying in that moment to Jesus? Because he wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect in his follow. Nobody ever was. Nobody ever is. And, and Jesus knows this. He says, what do I still lack? And Jesus is like, all right, I see what you're trying to do here. I want to get at your heart. What's really driving you? He says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Very interesting because to no other disciple does he do this. They do this intrinsically and intuitively, but no other disciple does Jesus say, I want you to give me your everything. I want you just to go ahead and sell everything. But with this one, he does. And then he says, then come follow me. Watch his response. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He had the opportunity of a lifetime, and yet he walks away disappointed because he's not willing to be full-on, 110% all-in. Mark chapter 12. Different story, different circumstances, different outcome. Look at this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Apparently, there was a place where people would just come, and they would bring their offerings, and they put into this box and it was shaped like a trumpet. And, and they would just put it into this box and watch what, what's happening. Many rich people threw in large amounts. So how do they know it's a large amount? Because it, it's just being demonstrated that's a large amount. You could tell it's a big bag or it's a lot of coins. They're, they're making sure, like, they're walking up to that temple treasury, jingling a little bit, <laughs> making sure they get the attention. And they throw in these large amounts. But watch this. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And everybody's watching this calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to, all she had to live on. Two amazing stories. Some of you think, man, this is, this should be a money sermon, not a spirit sermon, but actually what Jesus is, I mean, it's about money, 
But you know what it's mostly about? It's about their heart. It's about their heart. Were they fully devoted, all in, 110%, or were they holding back? And there's two, there's two examples. The rich young ruler, he's holding back, and he walks away sad. The widow, she gives everything she has, and she walks away glad, and we're still telling her story to this day. I want to break this down. I want to give you some, I want to give you some discussion material for your life group, for your personal study this week. I'm going to just give you some points, some, some observations that you can break this down and do some further study on. We're going to find out how we can live full on 110% all in. If you're ready to jump into this, say I am. All right, here we go. The rich young ruler held everything back. If you're taking notes, write that down. He held everything back. He has a chance to follow Jesus, but he holds back. He holds back. And as he's holding back, he misses out. Think about the journey he could have been on with Jesus. Think about all that the disciples experienced, right? I mean, these guys got a front row seat to the greatest show on earth. Amazing. He could have been a part of that, but he misses out on it. I, I, uh, I love a good montage. Does anybody know what a montage is? It's like a video highlight, you know, it's kind of like a summary, you know, a quick, a quick uh, history covered in a short amount of time in video. And I grew up in the 80s, which every sitcom in the 80s opened with a montage. Do you guys know this? Growing Pains, Family Ties, Who's the Boss? Like great montages. Can you imagine what the rich young ruler's montage would have been? Can you imagine what that would have been? The rich, the rich young ruler? I mean, can you imagine how awesome it could have been if he could have had a highlight montage of like all that he could have experienced? Like him and Jesus making memes together, making memories. You know, maybe it could have been the rich young ruler who was suggested, hey, why don't we take this, this little boy's lunch and pass it out to these people? Maybe, maybe it could have been him, and he could have been there and watching it, and been, you know, the montage would have been him looking at Jesus, and then Jesus looking at him. You know, I mean, it could have been amazing. Or maybe his montage could have been like, you know, Jesus out on the water, and P he sees Peter get up to start going towards the edge of the boat. And he's like, no, 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 this is my turn. Sorry, Peter. Maybe we could have been talking about him walking on water. Who knows what his montage could have been, but we know what it was. Do you know what his montage was? Counting his money. He traded counting money over going on a journey with Jesus. And I've been racking my brain, why? Why wouldn't he just go all in? I mean, he loved God enough to seek him out, but there was something that had more of his heart than God. And that's the question I want to ask you today. Is there something that has more of your heart than God? And does that result in you holding back? I think there's two reasons why he doesn't do this. Again, just, just observations, just thoughts. You guys can discuss this more. Two, two thoughts that I think indicate why he was holding back. The first one is I think he, he thought he knew better. I think he thought he knew better. And so if you're taking notes, you can say, we don't give our all because we think we know best. It's a trap for us, isn't it? Now, I don't think he would have ever admitted this, but essentially he thought he knew better than God. 
He thought he knew, he thought he had it figured out. He thought he knew better than God. He was, now he's probably smart, synagogue leader. He had responsibilities. He was over people. God had blessed him with intellect and God-given responsibilities. And those God-given talents are what trip him up. Isn't that messed up? And this is something we got to be careful of. If we're not careful, our greatest strengths can become our greatest liabilities. The things God has blessed us with can be the very thing that keep us, if we're not careful, from missing out on the blessing that is God. How many of you know the stuff, the blessings, the opportunities, the pleasures of this world are nothing compared to who God is? And having a relationship with him and going on a journey with him and experiencing him be the Lord of our life and steering and directing and calling and leading us. It is infinitely more better. But we miss out when we think we know best. For this guy, this is a bad business deal. He's like, man, I'm going to give up all my stuff for that. Uh, how many know that's the best deal you could ever have? But you know what he, did? You know what he wasn't doing? This is why we keep coming back to this. He wasn't finding what God was doing and being there. We talk about this vision weekend, right? Like, find out what God is doing. Find out what the Lord is doing. If you find out what God is doing and do it, you will be blessed in what you do. That's not what he was doing. And because he wasn't doing that, he thought he knew, he, he knew best, he missed out on all that God had for him. The second thing is, I think he might have not been ready to give up control. He, he had a lot of people that he was in control over, and I don't think he was ready to give up control because now he's like, well, I'm a ruler of a synagogue, but now I'm just going to be a follower of Jesus? He couldn't, see the, he couldn't see how much better that really was because I think he wanted to, he wanted to be in control. He wanted to maintain control over his life. But, you know, here's the reality. He wasn't even in control. He wasn't in control of his religion. He wasn't in control of his government. He wasn't in control of anything, really, if you think about it. And how many of you know the same is true for us? And if you need an example, case in point, 2020, right? Like, I mean, how many thought you were in control and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's, I'm in control of nothing. How many of you know we're not really in control of very much? Have you ever driven a car? How many know you're not in control of everybody else? You know, have you ever flown in a plane? That's a leap of faith, right? Two people you never even met, you don't even see until you're getting off the plane, you know, and they're waving at you. You're like, I, I just trusted you with my life. Or have you ever eaten at a restaurant? How many know that chef's not trying to, po uh, how, how do you know if that chef isn't trying to poison you? You don't know. Maybe she's having a bad day. He's like, look at that punk coming in. I'm poisoning. That's why I religiously test all ice cream in our house. All my kids' ice cream, I test it. I just want to make sure. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. The reality is we blindly trust in so many aspects of our life constantly, constantly. Where we need to get to the place is where we're saying, God, I'm trusting you continually. I'm trusting you continually, and I'm giving up control. Let me just ask you, is there something 
that as you're in church today, as I'm starting to talk about this, you know you're holding back from God. It's a relationship. It's how you handle your finances. It's, it's, a, it's a part of how you lead your company. Is there something you're holding back? You're not letting God have full read access. You say, no, you can, you can, this is what, is there something that you're holding back? Because if you're holding back, I promise you, we will be like the rich young ruler and we will be missing out. We'll be missing out. And this is, this is definitely contrasted with the widow who held nothing back. She holds nothing back. And here's the thing about the widow. She was poor, like really, really poor. Like didn't know where she was going to get her next meal. Poor. And yet, so for her to get a couple of coins, that's a big deal. Can you imagine having nothing and then finding two coins or someone giving you two coins or someone's like, hey, here's a couple of coins. You're like, okay, finally I got something. She comes and she takes all that she has and she gives it back to God. Here's someone who had a lot. He couldn't give it up. Here's someone who had very little, and she gave everything up. What's the difference? I think it's because she remembered who her source was. You, can, you and I can give our all when we remember who our source is. Who is our source of everything? It's God. That's a great place for an amen. You know, you know who's in control? You know who's in control? You know who's given you everything that you have? It's God. You know who's given you breath in your lungs? It's God. And the, yeah, and the rich young ruler, he didn't understand this. And maybe at one point he did. Maybe at one point he's like, God, thank you for this blessing. And then at some point he started, thank me for this blessing. That's a trap, isn't it? Start looking at that bank account and be like, you know what? Man, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I've done pretty good. Saying, God, thank you. He, he misappropriated his worship and he, he valued stuff over the Savior because he forgot who his source was. But the widow, she remembered who her source was. She knew that God gives you the power to create wealth that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills, that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, that all of this, all of that we experience is ultimately just God's on loan to us for the, the short time that we're here on this earth. Just, just, we're just here, it's just a vapor. And he lets, us, he lets us share it. So she remembers who her source was. So she's like, I can give everything because I know God's gonna take care of me. Someone's going to, I'd rather put my chips on, in the center of God's table than trust them at the end of mine. And the second thing I think she knew is that this life wasn't all that there was. And, and this leads us to the principle that we can give our all when we remember where our home is. See, I think the widow understood that, again, this life is a vapor. It's over very quickly. And that ultimately she wants to spend eternity with God. You know what she knew? She was going to die. Do you know what's true? You're going to die. You're like, thank you, Scott. That's so encouraging. <laughs> Here's another encouraging word. You're getting older by the minute. <laughs> you know what death is? It's one out of one probability. 100%. 
Nobody has beat death except one person. Jesus, who gives us life when we give up ours for him. She knew that her home wasn't here, that there was a heaven that awaited her. And she's like, God, whatever I need to do, I want, I want to show you with my money. I want to show you with my time. I want to show you with my talents. Whatever I need to show you, I'm all in, 110%, full on. She held nothing back because she remembered who her home was. But I think here's the other advantage, the extra advantage that you and I have over her, and it's this. We can remember who our Lord is. We can give our all when we remember who our Lord is. If the widow isn't enough motivation for you, remember your Savior. Because he, he, he didn't just talk this game, he lived this game. When he's, when he's experiencing anguish over about or about what he's about to experience on the cross and taking the sin of mankind and the wrath of God upon him. Humanity is screaming. And he says this, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He says, God, at the end of the day, ultimately, I don't want to live for me. I want to live for you. I want to, I want to submit. Even the Savior was submitted and surrendered to the Father. Why? Because Father knows best. Father will lead us. Our Heavenly Father will help us. He prayed it and then he proved it because in Luke chapter 23, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. You know what he did? He gave up his life. He told us, hey, listen. You're going to want to give up your life for me, and you're going to find it. And then he modeled it in perfection, flawlessly. He understood. He, he understood that life was meant to be lived full on, 110%, all in. That's Jesus. That's God. That's, that's what our lives are supposed to be like. Uh, close with this story of a... Uh, a missionary that lived this out. Stories captured in, in a book called The End of the Spear. Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, other missionaries that in the 50s were, were trying to reach a tribe of people that were away from God in Ecuador. Never heard the gospel. But, but there had been attempts to reach them and they'd been responded with violence. And so they, they, they sell everything, they move there, they're living in the jungle, and they're trying to reach this tribe of people that don't know the gospel because they're like, if, 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 those, if those people don't know Jesus, God's heart is that they know Jesus. Again, find and follow Jesus. Find what God is doing, follow it. And so they go there, they're living there. Violence has been the response towards the gospel. But Jim Elliott lived with a mandate, and it's this. He wrote this in his journal. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. What can he keep? His life. You're going to die. But you can, you can give your life for eternity. You can give your life here and now so that, that you can gain what you cannot lose. 
souls, eternity, the kingdom of God. Here's a question. Do we believe any of this stuff? Do, do, you, do you believe that God is who he says he is, that there is a God who created and spoke the world into existence and sent his son to live, to die, to be raised again so that we can experience life, so that we can bring others with us? Do you believe any of that? Then you know what's true? This life is a golden opportunity just like that rich young ruler was having. He had an opportunity to respond to Jesus and say, Okay, okay, that's what you're asking me to do. There it is. I don't know, I don't know what Jesus wanted with all of that. Maybe Jesus would have been like, ah, no, you can keep your possessions. I don't know. We don't know. The rich young ruler never found out because he was not willing to trust God. And I want to ask you, is there something in your life where God's like, ah, da, 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 I want that. And if you would give that up, you would experience so much life. Is there an addiction? Is there a relationship? Is there a fear? Is there a troubling thought pattern that you are holding on to and God's like, I want you to give that up. And if you would give that up, you would have the montage of all montages. God speaking, God leading, God growing, God building and strengthening your life. God has amazing things that he wants to do in you and through you. He does, but you gotta, you got to give up what you have to grab hold of what he has. And for some of you, it's, you're afraid. You're afraid because you think you're in control of what you have. You're not in control. We're not in control of anything. That's why you know, how, you know where the best place for us to put our trust, take all the chips that we have, Push them into the center of the table and say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm going to live this life full on, 110%, all in. Because I know that you're my source. I know that you're going to help me. I know that, that, that ultimately you're the one who's steering all of this, and my life is a vapor. I want to live it for you. What is God asking you to do? What is he asking you to give up? He's not robbing you. He's trying to set you free. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for this message, for this truth, God, that is powerful. So powerful, Lord. I pray that you would just let this, let this message, let it infiltrate our hearts, let it sink in. God, I pray that you would that you would help us to, to apply this. And God, if there's stuff in our life that we need to give up, we would do that so that we can grab hold of all that you have. And I pray that you would help us to do it. Please help us to do it, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take a moment. I just want us, I want us to take a moment before we leave and just allow God to do some business in our lives. I want to talk to the Christian in here who, if you're being honest, you have to say, you know what? There's some stuff in my life that I'm holding on to. I'm holding back. And because I am, I'm missing out. But today can be a day where you let it go and he sets you free. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring greater freedom, greater joy, greater hope, greater life into our hearts. 
And so if that's you today and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me, Scott, as soon as you started talking about this, I knew. I, I knew what it was. Honestly, we have to preach this to our hearts all the time because there's constantly things trying to work themselves in there. We've got to say, God, no, I'm going to give this up. If that's you, God is speaking to you, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. You say, man, this is me. You're a Christian. God's asking you to say, hey, I need to let it go. I need to let it go so you can grab hold of all that he has. Would you just slip up your hand all across this place at the South Campus? Just raise your hand and say, this is speaking right to me, and there's something I need to give up. Hands going up everywhere here. Hands going up at the South Campus, online. You can interact with the chat. But just as a moment, just take, let's take a moment. Let's pray. Father, I pray. Every person who is reaching out for you, Lord, I pray that you would speak and you would encourage and you would help them to let go so that you can be all in and experience all that you have. Can you put your hands down with your heads bowed one more time? I want to just ask a question, another question, the most important question. Some of you are here today and you're saying, you know what? Man, I'm, I'm, ha I'm not even ready to give something up for God because I don't even have a relationship with God. Well, the reality is this, that, that God has you here for this moment. God has you here for this moment. Like you're, you're in this church. You're listening to this message online. You're at the South Campus. You are, you are here in this moment because God wants a relationship with you. That's what he created you for. And he will give you so much more than you could ever give him. But the question is, are you willing to take a step? And that's what Jesus is asking. He's saying, will you take a step towards me? Just follow me. That's what Jesus says. And you're here today, and maybe you need to make a decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time to say, yes, God, I want to follow you. He will help you. He will work in your life. It is literally the best decision you could ever make. And it's so simple. It's saying, yes, God, I want all that you have. If that's you, you're here you're at the South Campus, you're watching online, I just want to ask you, if you're here and you're saying, man, this is speaking right to me, I need to make a decision for the first time or for the first time in a long time to follow Jesus and make him Lord of my life. If that's you, would you slip up your hand all across this place? Just slip it up and say, would you pray for me? Hands going up. It's awesome. South Campus, hands going up, online. Let me pray. Father, I pray that you would just do a work, a healing work in people's hearts and lives. Lord, as they make a decision to follow you with all that they are. And Lord, we thank you. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We stand with me, church, both locations. Let's just take a moment. This is a gift. We have a gift right now, a gift just to say, Lord, I want you to have it all. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you just, would you lift your hands in surrender and say, God, you can have it all. You can have my relationships. God, you can have my finances. God, you can have my time. You can have my talent. It's for you. It's for your glory. It's what I'm made for. It's what you did for me. And it's what I'm giving back to you. 110%. I'm holding nothing back. But God, you can have it all. In Jesus' name, let's worship.